If you will, go with me to uh, John chapter 8, verse 32. I'm going to read this to you. We talked about last week the, the number one value, core value of Church on the Move, which is to love God and love people and nothing else. And God says right here in John chapter 8, actually we're going to start reading verse 31. It says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach or the truth, you prove that you are my true followers. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. We know that scripture, a lot of us is, uh, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And we're going to talk about that. That's our, our second core value of our church is the truth prevails. Based on what? Based on the Bible. Based on the Bible. What the Bible says is truth. Not what we think is truth. Not what everybody else thinks is truth. But what the Bible says is truth. And it's vital that we know that. It's vital that we believe that, that we know that, and we live according to the word. It's vital. I'm going to talk about how vital it is. But we also know in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, I quoted that, that God said to love him with all everything we have and to love others as we love ourselves. And that contains all the law and all the prophets. That means you can sum up this entire book in that. And so that's why it's real important that our our priorities, not just in church, but in our lives as Christians, because we are the church. This building's not the church. We're the church. That we love God first above everything else. There's no, there's no competition for that first place. It's just God. Secondly, we love others as we love ourselves. You can't give away what you don't have. I've never met a bitter loving Christian. I've never met a bitter loving Christian. I've seen people, I've been around people who are so bitter and, and so full of negativity. And I... I wonder, is the love of God in them? Because the love of God doesn't act like that. I've never run into a a Christian who's walking in absolute unforgiveness towards others. You're not right with Christ. You're not, Christian means you're following Jesus. You're not following Jesus if you're living like that. God does not want us to live according to those principles. He wants us to love him, and in return for that exchange for that, he teaches us how to love ourselves and how to give that love away. Because it's never about God just giving us something. It starts there with God gives us strength, gives us love, gives us those those things. But it was always designed to give away to others. We're not hoarders. Right? We're, we're, a, we're a channel. We're a, we're a way in which God shows his love and gives peace and helps people how he acts. We're, we're, he wants to work through our lives. Someone say amen. And so that's why loving him has to be first and loving others as we love ourselves is second. But the third thing is, is that we have to love the truth. And we have to agree what truth is. You know, Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, he said, you know, we'll read this scripture here in just a few moments, but he said to Jesus, what is truth? And he was defeated, like, what is truth? Because when you're searching around with Aristotle and Plato and this false God and this thing and that thing, you're in this constant search, and it ends up being sad and dismal and lost and messed up. There's always chaos when there's no absolute truth. There'll be chaos in your personal life if there's no absolute truth. There'll be chaos in your marriage if there's no absolute truth. 
There'll be chaos in every friendship. Every circumstance and situation will end in chaos. There'll be disorder. There'll be, there'll be all kinds of division and strife. There'll be no connection. There'll be no trust. Because without truth, there can be no trust. You have to have truth in order to have trust. And how these, these two things go together, our first two core values of our church is, the Bible says, tell the truth in. So it starts with love. But it doesn't end there. Love and truth work together. Just like wisdom and faith work together, love and truth work together. They're not enemies of each other. In today's modern culture, what they call uh, post-Christianity, that otherwise Christianity is not the dominant religion in our nation anymore. It's not. It's not. It is not. It is not. So what takes its place is lies. And... Hatred, not love. And what has happened is, and what's invaded a lot of Christians in the church is, they, they have compassion without truth. They say they have love for people, but there's no truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. You can't really love God and love others and love yourself if there's not truth attached to it. You can't really do it. And then there's others. They just want to tell you the truth, but there's no love in it. So that means there's no God in it. God always wants us to tell the truth in love. Those things work hand in hand together. And that's why they're our first two core values. Love God and people and nothing else. The truth always prevails. The Bible says that light will always drive out darkness. Truth will always drive out lies. That's what it's designed to do. That's what it's always been designed to do. If you can put up on the, on the board... Hebrews 6, 17 and 18, God is talking to Abraham, or talking about Abraham here. Paul's writing this uh, about how he made a vow and how he, how he handles the certain things. And I want you to see something about God here. So it says, so in the same way God wanted to end all doubt and confirm it even more forcefully to those who would inherit his promises. His purpose was unchangeable, so God added his vow to the promise. Otherwise, he said, I'm not only promising this, I vow to carry it out. That's why the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it, to make sure it goes, comes to pass. So it says this. This is what the part I want you to see. So it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise and his vow will never change. Never change. It's impossible for God to lie. So that means it's only possible for God to tell the truth. And then it says this. Go with me to, to uh, John 18, 37. This is, this is Jesus before Pontius Pilate. Um, talking to Pontius Pilate, and then Pilate responded, oh, so then you are a king? He said, Jesus said, you are right. I was born a king, and I, and I have come into this world to prove what really is. And everyone who loves the will receive my word. You notice, again, love and truth. Love and truth are combined. And Jesus said, I came to know the truth so people will know what really is, what is real. People who go crazy mentally, they believe lies. 
And because they do, the reality, what is real, they can't see what is real. So they think everybody's out to get me or this or that or another thing. Because they can't see what's real. When you live a lie or you tell lies, you're, you're sowing deception into people's life that they don't know what is real. They don't know what is real. Has anybody ever had someone come and tell you a story that you thought was legit and it turned out to be a lie? But until you knew it was a lie, there was this reality that you had. I've had people tell me lies about other people. Then I get around those other people. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'll ask them if I have a, a, enough of a relationship. I'll say, man, is this true? And I don't know how many of them say, man, that's not true. I said, well, what happened? They'll tell me. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. But until that point, my reality, what I thought was real about that person, was wrong. It was totally wrong. And that's how lies and deception, they paint a different reality than what is really real. But Jesus said, I've come to tell the truth. God said, I cannot lie. God only tells the truth. Jesus only tells the truth in love. If you love somebody, you will tell them the truth. If you love them, you'll tell them the truth. Because what the truth does, it allows us to not only see what is real, and so we're living in reality, but it also, it opens up other doors. The Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will do what? It'll set you free to see what is real. It'll also, it'll set you free to have real trusting relationships. It'll set you free to fulfill the will of God. But I'll tell you what else it does. It sets, it looses God's ability, his supernatural ability to bring freedom into any and every situation you're dealing with. You're being, you're being uh, harassed or sickness and disease is hanging on to your body. God said, I'll set you free from that. You have some kind of bad habit that you, you've had trouble kicking. Man, God said, if you'll know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you begin to sue God, pursue God's truth about what that, what the spirit of addiction, man, he'll, he'll enlighten you to such a place. He'll sow so much truth into you, it will literally cause God to supernaturally act through his word and set you free from it. I'm living proof. I'm living proof that generational alcoholism can be broken. Some of you are too. Living proof, the spirit of addiction doesn't have to go from generation to generation. It doesn't even have to hang on to you. I'm living proof of that. So I know God's word is true. He'll set you free in marriage to really trust and love each other. He'll set you free in relationships. His truth, knowing his truth, embracing it, and saying, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just don't know about it, but I know it. It lives inside of me. That will bring freedom to your life. That will bring healing. Because, man, when you pursue the truth in love, that activates God's kingdom to act on your behalf. It'll cause, when you pursue the truth, listen, it'll set you free to grow and mature. You can't grow and mature without the truth. You can't grow and mature without the truth. Do you know the average person, 60% of people, I'll just say it that, 60% of people in a 10-minute conversation this is, this is true. Well, on average, tell two or three lies. 
And it's equal for men and women. They'll both, 60% of men and women will tell two or three lies in a 10-minute conversation. Now, there's a difference. Women will tell lies to people to make them feel better about themselves that aren't true. Men tell lies to make themselves feel better. Seriously, that's a fact. They've studied it. Men just have bigger egos. But it still lies. It doesn't matter. It still lies. God wants us to consider what we say before we say it. Someone say amen. Whether it's a truth or a lie. Lies tear apart, divide. It brings discord, strife. The Bible says where there's strife, there's every manner of evil. Man, there's nothing like lies that bring strife. Nothing like lies that bring strife. But the truth said in love, it brings unity and trust. It's what you build society on. It's what you build marriage and relationship and family on, church on. It's truth and love. How many of you know no one in this room is perfect? You know that? No one in this room is perfect. So we need other people speaking the truth and love into our lives so that we can grow and mature and we can fulfill the will of God, what he called us to do. He'll set you free to do it if you seek the truth, if you really want to know the truth. In Psalms 119, 125, David wrote, he said, listen, as I pursue the, your word, your truth, I grow closer and closer to you. The Bible teaches us the truth will, will shine a flashlight on our steps and a lamp unto our future. Because the truth is the word of Almighty God. Go with me to John 16, 13. So we know God is truth, Jesus is truth, so we have to know that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one, so the Holy Spirit is the same. But when the truth-giving comes, he will unveil the reality of every within you. He won't speak on his own, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. You know, some people are so shocked and surprised that Russia would rise up and use its military. I'm not shocked at all. You know why I'm not shocked? Because I know in Ezekiel, when it talks about the, the last days in the Battle of Armageddon, Russia has its, its entire army, almost its entire army, on the border of Israel with, with Iran and Syria and several other nations including a million-man army from the east, which will probably be China or North Korea, one of those that are directed by China, will be on the border of Israel. So something has to embolden Russia and, and nullify us to allow them to amass those armies on Israel's border. But here's what I know. The reason I'm not fearful of it is because God is going to cause all kinds of natural disasters. There are actually going to be supernatural disasters that are going to destroy all those armies. Every one of them will die. And then two-thirds of the entire population of Russia will die. Russia will not be a superpower in the future. They're, they're, they're acting out their own demise right now. Tonight, um, 
My, my daughter-in-law, Allie, and my son, Tyler, live next door to a lady that's from Ukraine. She's a Christian. Her husband's a Christian, and she's married an American. She lives here now on the military base. And she is sending money to her family, and, and Julie and I have already sent some money through her to her family. But she's, she's telling us what's happening on the ground with phone conversations with their family when they can get through because they keep turning it off, shutting it on, turning it off. And, man, I tell you, guys, this is what's happening is unbelievable to these families. So tonight at 5.30, from 5.30 to 6.30, just an hour, we're going to come to church. We're going to pray for two things. The first one is we're going to pray for the, for the hurting and the sick in our own church. The second thing is we're going to pray for the Ukrainian people. There's many of our brothers and sisters there. They love Jesus. And we're going to pray for them tonight. We owe them that. If our country's not going to fight for them, then we need to fight for them in the spirit. But does it shock me that Russia's coming to the forefront? Does it shock me that China is rising up? Does it shock me that Iran is right now going to have a, a nuclear missile here very soon? No. When the ungodly rule, the people groan. If people in America vote in the ungodly, and the reason they, they keep voting the ungodly in is because our nation's not a Christian nation anymore. Christianity's not the dominant religion. Let me tell you the dominant religion. The dominant religion is Satanism. How do I know that? Because anybody that's not worshiping the one true God based on this book, the Bible, is worshiping Satan. You're either on Satan's side. I don't care what, what way. You, you can be a Muslim, a Buddhist. You can be a Satanist. You can be a witch. You can be an atheist. You can be an agnostic. All that, all that group is on the side of the devil. And I say that out of love because I don't know about any of you, but I was on the wrong side of this thing too. I was an enemy of God. And I thank God he loved me enough to tell me the truth. If you've been an enemy of God, whether here or you're listening online, God loves you and he wants to save your life. I thank God he loved me enough when I was his enemy and he died anyway to save my life. I hope you're grateful too. But we, we need to understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all speak the truth. They are the truth. They are the truth. And to me, without absolute objective holy, perfect truth, then there's just going to be chaos. The Bible says in Judges that, that because there was no king, otherwise there was no authority that determined right from wrong, that every man did according to what he thought was right. That's the new religion of the world. I said that's the new religion of the world. Let me tell you how messed up, that, how much chaos that brings. So there is not a European leader that I know of in any of Europe uh, at least on the, the western side of Europe, that loves Jesus. I don't know of anyone that loves Jesus, that claims to love Jesus, that is a European leader right now, east or west. So this is what, hap this is what is happening right now. So President Trump, when he addressed NATO, our, our allies that fight against Russia. NATO was designed to stand up against the Russian army. Okay? What he said to them was this. Germany, you just purchased all your oil and gas from Russia. Could have purchased it from us. Could have purchased it from Israel. Israel, 
was running a pipeline to Europe to sell them oil and gas. Israel has tons of oil and gas. Could have made us rich and Israel rich, who are their allies. Instead, they chose to make Russia rich, who we pay 4.2% of our gross domestic product, huge billions of dollars. We pay to defend Germany and all of them from Russia, and they chose to make Russia rich. And right now, Germany gets 50% of all its oil and gas. It will be 70% when that other pipeline is connected of all their oil and gas will come from Russia. Over 50-some percent for the rest of Europe will all get their oil and gas from Russia, and they will make them rich. In the meantime, we pay billions of dollars to protect them from Russia. That's the kind of chaos and ridiculous thinking that happens. It just so happens the former leader of Germany is the president of that oil company that is buying all their oil and gas into Europe. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, but that's what happens when you have evil people, ungodly people ruling over nations. They'll side with the ungodly. They'll do ungodly stuff. Their money is their God. Money, they make money decisions. There's people making money decisions in this mayoral election right now. And they've turned against someone that's, I don't, he's not perfect by any means, but uh, our mayor that we've had, Kintai, and they're voting for a liberal who's voted for abortion time and time and time again and claiming they're pro-life. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. I'm going to vote for someone I believe is a Christian. If I lived in District 4, I'd vote for Joe Green twice on Sunday and every day of the week. I'm going to vote for people who I've seen some fruit. Not, not people who want to tell me what their fruit is. Man, because you can see fruit. And when we vote in the ungodly, we get what we get. But I want to encourage you in this. First of all, if you voted in the ungodly, you can repent. You can ask God to forgive you. And He will. But if you're a Christian... My goodness, we're not scared of any of it. God said this was coming. He said he would take care of us. He said gas can go to 10 bucks an hour. God will pay us 50 bucks an hour or 10 bucks a gallon. God will give us 50. I'm never scared of the economy. Pastor Sean read that scripture. We're not scared of the economy. We're not scared of what, you know, anything will do. I don't look at the gas price and go, oh, my gosh, uh, it's 10 bucks a gallon. I'm, I'm just like, I serve the God of more than enough. I'm not going to be fearful of any of it. That's faith. Wisdom, on the other hand, would say vote for the godly. People who you see some fruit. Wisdom would say stock up some water and some food. Faith says no matter what happens, I'm going to be all right. Because my God is on the throne. That's the truth. Let me share some things that are real important to you about the truth. Without truth, there's no trust. Without trust, there's no right. Or without truth, there's no right or wrong. We live in a day of what they call relative. Uh, 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 they live in the day of relativity. That, that what is right and wrong is relative to your circumstances. There's no, absolutes right. there's no absolute right and wrong. And it's been taught that in our educational systems for so long that a lot of this younger generation and others have bought into that. Exactly what I said in that scripture in Judges before chaos ensued. 
Every person finds their own truth. Find your truth. That's the teaching of today. Find your truth and live your truth. Man, I wouldn't encourage that. Your truth is going to be birthed birthed out of a sinful nature that is going to lead to chaos in your life and for some people lead to death. But for sure, when you're not a seeker of God's truth, he will hide his will from you. He will not reveal his will and he will not supernaturally help you. When you're running from the truth or you, you want to live a lie. He's not going to move on your behalf. He moves on the behalf of those who know the truth. Who have embraced it as not just something they know about, but something that they live. It's part, it's who they are. And God's not the caboose. For younger people, a caboose was something they put on the end of a train. It was a, it was a very special kind of car so that when you saw trains going by, you could look down the track and say, okay, that's the end. Now you don't know the end because it's just car after car after car. They don't have the cabooses. But they put God's word as the caboose. He's, he's like the last option. No, he needs to be at the front of the train. He needs to be the engine that's driving our life. We need to put, we need to start with God's word, it needs to be first. If you have a marriage issue, go to the word. You have an addiction issue, go to the word. You have a relationship issue with any other type, go to the word. You want to know how to raise your kids? It's not, it's not uh, uh, chaos. It's not, well, let me try this, let me try that. Go to the word. You want to know how to work a job? Go to the word. You want to know how to prosper? Go to the word. You want to know how to overcome difficulties in your life? Go to the Word. You want to be comforted in times where you're hurting? Go to the Word. The truth of God's Word has to be first. He always tells it in love. Even when he corrects, he says, I I correct you because you're my kids and I love you. I love you. We live in a day where anthropology and science and history, even raising children, is being, is being placed in a, situ, uh, a position where it's just subject to what everyone else wants to believe or should believe. I read an article just the other day from the New York Times from a lady that said that this, this parent takeover of school boards and wanting to speak into the lives of their children and, and know what's going on in their education and speak about that is white supremacy. Everything's now white supremacy. It's labeled racist. Can I tell you something? That's a lie. All of it is a lie. And this is the conclusion of the article. New York Times writer. This is the conclusion of the article. That white supremacy is based on a totalitarian government. And that uh, white fathers want to be the heads of their houses. So they want to tell their kids what to do. And here's what they say. Children have a right to do whatever they feel like they should do in that moment. Whether they're three, four, five, six, or ten. And this is the attack. Because this is where this came from. Because Texas said that they're going to start investigating child abuse of parents that are allowing and encouraging their children to have sex changes at ten years old. So here comes the race card. Here comes its racism, its white supremacy, that parents have authority over their children. Listen, if you embrace the lies of the world, you'll end up thinking like that. This woman was raised in a Christian household, and she called her parents 
authoritarian dictators. And now she's opposed to any child ever being told what to do. You know, this is not new. Hillary Clinton wanted to pass the rights of a child when she was, when she was uh, 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 running for office. She wanted to pass the rights of a child when she was actually the Secretary of State. Uh, that the UN Charter that said parents have no more authority over children. They can do what they want. A parent has an obligation to provide food and clothing. Other than that, they cannot make them go to church. They cannot make them go to school. They cannot teach them anything. They not Really, the attack was on Christianity. You cannot tell them about being a Christian. Guys, that's the world we live in. That's why we need more than ever the absolute truth. And we can't take a back seat to the lies and say, well, let them believe whatever they want to believe. We have to actively in love pursue and tell people the truth and not back down, back up, or give in to it. It's time to rise up and fight for the truth. We can't take a back seat. We've taken a back seat to these lies. And it's taken, the ch- taken over many churches and whole denominations. It's taken over our nation because we as Christians have taken a back seat. The Bible says in John 1, 5 that the light will always drive out the darkness. The truth will always drive out the darkness, the lies. But if the truth, if we're not the arbitrators of truth, if we don't live by it, first of all, because hypocrisy is just like it's living a lie. We can't say we love God and each other and that we believe in the truth and then walk out of here and live our marriages the way we want to. Treat people any old way. That's hypocrisy. That is a lie. Living a lie. Somewhere along the line, we need to have integrity. The Bible says in times of trouble, your integrity, who you are in secret and who you are in public, will eventually win the day no matter who's lying about you or what's attacking you. But you got to have integrity, not hypocrisy. That means we have to act like Christians at work. Not perfect, but Christians. So when you're not perfect, a Christian apologizes. Whether they receive it or not, it doesn't matter. A Christian grows and changes and matures. A Christian wants to do what's right secretly and publicly. Because we know the truth. And the truth has set us free from having to live lies. Come on now. What is truth? It's an absolute standard by which what is real is measured. And it has to be objective. It has to be based on authority and perfection. That's why it has to be based on God and God alone. Let me, let me end with this. God says his word. He breathed his word. So he breathed it through men that wrote it. And people say, well, men wrote it so it can't be perfect. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not true. So let me give you the example of what God did before. So God birthed Jesus through Mary. Mary was just like all of us. She had sin. Mary was not sinless. Come on now. She needed a Savior. She called Him Lord and Savior just like we do. She needed a Savior. But because He was God-breathed, He did not allow the sin nature of Mary to impact Jesus. That's why He was still holy and perfect. Come on. 
So he breathed his word through men and through their personalities, but his word still came out perfect. This is perfect. I read people, I read about people saying, well, there's a bunch of uh, hypocrisy and all this stuff in the Bible. And I'm like, man, these are unbelievers saying that. And I, I look at those scriptures because they have no truth in them. They don't have the spirit of truth. I look at those scriptures they try to use and go, oh, this makes perfect sense. If you know the word, if you know God, but to them it makes no sense. None. They can't, they can't equate the Old Testament with the New Testament. They don't, they don't understand any of that. They call him the God of wrath and the God of love in the New Testament. God of wrath in the Old Testament. He's the same God he's always been. He's always loved. He's always cared. He's always wanted to save. Every nation. Not just one. He says it over and over again. But those nations reject his love. Reject his truth. If you don't embrace the Bible's absolute truth, then there is no truth. Then it's just going to be up to you and I to determine it. You're talking about anarchy. You're talking about no right and wrong. Right now, I've seen several stories published by college professors. And guys, this is going to grow and grow. And mark my words, it's going to grow. On how pedophilia is just a natural attraction. They call it adult child attraction. And that it's normal. That's what happens when there's no absolute truth. There's no absolute right and wrong. Guys, I believe the Bible is the first and last word on every subject. Science, history, anthropology. We're not sad human animals that are mortal, just going to die and turn to dust. and We just kind of wander around the earth living our truth and killing and hurting each other and you know people say I've, I've listened to these actors say why does there have to be war can we all just not get along man guys I, I, I appreciate the sentiment that they want peace I appreciate that I want peace but the fact that they can't see the truth of this that this is evil versus good this is God this is a godless nation in Russia godless leaders that do believe we're human animals. That's why people believe in abortion. They believe we're just animals. That's why they believe in population control. They call it climate change policy. It's really population control. Mark my words. Because they just think of us as animals. And they think of themselves as a mortal human animal that just got to get what all I can get in this life. Instead of a divinely created being, created by God wonderfully in your mother's womb, created to live with a purpose, created to live with a purpose, to love God, to love people, and tell the truth and love to yourself and to others so that everybody can get in on the goodness and blessings of God. Jesus said that the father of lies, Satan, came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what happens when people live lies and believe lies. But he said, I have come to give life an abundant life. That's what happens when God's truth prevails in your life. That's what happens. And that's why 
second core value of our church is the truth always prevails. Listen, every eye closed. Here and online, if you just want to remove distractions, close your eyes. If you don't have any distractions, just do what you want to do online. But in here, I don't want people to be distracted by people leaving, getting up, because some of them are going to serve. But I want you to think about it. Are you living the truth or a lie? Because here's the truth. Not my truth. It's God's truth. He is the one and only God. And he loves you. He loves us. And he sent Jesus to die for our sins. And he raised him from the dead. He's alive. And he did that so that we could be free from the dominion of sin in this life. He wants us to have victory in this life. So we can be free. We're not, we might sin, but we're not dominated by sin. There's a huge difference. We're not dominated by sin anymore. It doesn't control our lives anymore. We're free. Jesus' blood, his forgiveness sets us free from being dominated by sin. That's why people who truly give their hearts to Jesus either immediately, some are just supernatural immediately, others progressively like me, man, just to shake off chains, just shaking off chain after chain, things that hold us and control us because there's a freedom in knowing the truth in this life. And then he gives us a freedom to live in heaven forever instead of paying the penalty for our sin and spending an eternity in a place called hell. Where there's just bondage and darkness. Our God is a God of freedom. The lies of the enemy are designed to divide us by race, economic class, all these things. That all comes from the lie of communism that God is dead. Whole nations are living that way, but you don't have to. You can live above the fray. Doesn't mean it won't impact us, but we'll overcome it. We'll rise above it. Because God is our strength and our courage. God is our help in times of trouble. He is for us and not against us. He will never leave or forsake us. He is always with us. And He loves us. If you've never embraced that, and you want to, this is your moment. This is your time. This is the day that you are saved, that you get rescued by God and His love for you, His sacrifice for you. If you've never prayed that and meant that, here's the moment. And let me say something to those listening here and online. I know people that have attended church for 50 years. I knew one man, he attended church for 50 years. And he realized one day that it was just a religion. His loyalty to was, was to a religion and to a kind of a lifestyle, but not really to God. One day he walked an aisle and the people at the church were like, wow, did you just come forward to pray for people? What did you say? No, I came forward to pray. They were freaked out because he had done so much in that church. He said, I was never saved. Listen, you could go to church for years and still truly not have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. Don't have a religion. You need a relationship. 
And he died to give you one. Give me one. So if you've never prayed, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now so you can start living in the reality of your life and what's going on around you based on the truth of God's love and his word. If you've prayed before and you've run away from home, listen, quit running away. Quit running away. Come home and stay. I prayed today that you'd come to your senses and realize it's so much better in God's kingdom than Satan's. And I think it's worse on those who don't even, who know better. You know better. Just come home. Run home and stay. Stay this time. Fight this time. Stand this time. Seek the truth of God so you can be free from the things that keep pulling you away from Him. So if you want to pray and get right with God, here or online, online I'm going to ask you right now to message us, say, for the first time, for the next time. I think last Sunday we had six online that responded. Just respond to us. There's no strings attached to that. We just want to celebrate with you and send you something to encourage you. Here in this room, I'm going to ask you on the count of three just to raise your hand and say, I want to pray and get right with God. I want to live and know the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So, online, go ahead and send that message. And here, on the count of three, raise your hand and say, I want to get right with God. And then we're all right where we're seated. We're all going to pray. We're all going to pray together. One, two, three, raise your hand and say, it's me. I'm going to get right with God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the day to do it. This is the moment to do it. In the chaos in your life, by living the truth of God. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Online, let's pray. Here, let's pray. You could be watching online on Friday, Saturday of next week. You could be watching Monday. It doesn't matter. This prayer is still valid. Don't even hesitate to pray this when we pray it when you're watching. Don't hesitate to pray. It will mean something between you and God, just like it does now. So let's pray with all these that have raised their hand. Say this, church. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. You're the God that gave us the truth. And the truth is that you love us, that you sent Jesus to die for our sins, and you raised him from the dead. I believe that that's true. And because I believe it, I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, to forgive me of all my sins. And you said in your word that you would forgive me. So I receive your forgiveness because I know it's true. And I say to you, Jesus, you are the Lord, Jesus Christ. You said in your word 
that if I would confess that out of my mouth and believe that in my heart, you would save me. I believe that's true, and I've spoken that in truth, and now I know I'm right with you. Teach me now by the spirit of truth, your word of truth, how to live life and life to the full, what you came to give me. Thank you in Jesus' name. So be it. Amen. Come on. Let's thank God for the truth.